us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. From the New Testament, Luke 24, 36 to 49. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And from Acts 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to introduce our guest speaker here this morning. This is the last week of our missions month. We hope that you all have been encouraged uh, just to hearing about different missions work around the world and locally and ways in which we as a church uh, can cultivate a heart for missions. Um, and I hope that as you've heard these sermons uh, that you yourself would, would have just even one person in your mind that you would think about ministering to, uh, to sharing the gospel with, to, to going where you're located, where you're planted. Uh, to maybe even challenge yourself, if you have no non-Christian relationships or friendships, to, to go out and pursue them. Um, but as we close up our time here, we are honored to have uh, Matt Edelin. Uh, the Edelins are currently serving as Wycliffe Bible Translators in Papua, Indonesia, and assisting in the translation of, of the Bible into Bayano, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, and other Indonesian languages. As an ordained minister of the gospel, a graduate of Washington Bible College, Capital Bible Seminary in D.C., which is now Lancaster Bible College, and the graduate institute of applied and the graduate of uh, the Institute of Applied Linguistics. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning. It's my pleasure to uh, be with you and to share. Um, we have been partnering with City of Hope since 2007, and uh, it's been so great to have you be a part uh, in prayer and in uh, helping support financially and for us to be able to share what God's doing on the other side of the world, and I'm looking forward to giving you more details about that this morning. Um, let's just pause and pray, and then we'll get into, into the Word. Lord God, we thank you for this time together to into the word. Lord God, we thank you for this time together to 
just get into your word and to uh, think deeply about what happened in the first century with the early Christians, um, how they told your story, and about how that story goes on now to the ends of the earth in Papua. Lord, would you speak? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you mobilize us to... We're going to be talking about how uh, the believers in the first century were scattered and uh, preached the good news to those around them. Uh, but before I do that, I just wanted to... Um, and uh, wow, feels like Papua. Feels like the jungle. But here we are in Maryland getting bit by uh, venomous spiders. So anyway, pray for her. And um, also, uh, I have my boys here with me, some of them. Mark, our oldest, is in Tampa. He works as a mechanic there. Uh, but Micah, our second son, is here with us, and he's at Liberty University. And Elijah, who's uh, about to start his senior year of high school with us in Papua. And Luke, who's about to start sixth grade with us in Papua. And then uh, also on the front row is our, uh, one of my nephews. And so um, you can be a little bit confused about which boys are mine and which aren't. But anyway... Um, we're just happy to be here with you, and, uh, and also I, I, send your gre- I send greetings not just from our family, but from the Sealocks as well. Benny Sealock is a Papuan ministry partner who we've been working alongside of ever since the first day, and uh, they don't have the opportunity to be here to speak with you in person, but whenever we do, they always say, please tell the churches back in America, please tell the Christians that we so appreciate that they're involved here in this Bible translation ministry among the Bayono tribe. And so they send their greetings as well, Benny and their family, constantly. He's been cold in the night. It's a bit of a chill because the temperature has dropped down to 80 degrees, even though in the morning and during the day it's in the 90s with high humidity, oppressively hot. He's been sleeping alongside his hunting dog as he usually does. And as he wakes up, his dog stirs, and he sees that his wife, Masiu, is already cooking some of the tasteless starch pita that they have for most of their meals. But this time is a special day because there's roasted grub worms mixed in to their starch pita. He munches on his pita with grub worms, father who has now passed away. And he climbs down the 30-foot ladder from his treehouse in the jungle down to the jungle floor. His bare feet feel the cool and welcome mud underneath, and he begins to walk, wandering the jungle with the small, half-starved hunting dog. He's searching for signs of Gui, the wild boar, or an Osani, a cassowary, a huge ostrich-like bird with a bony mohawk and six-inch talons known for disemboweling men. Maybe today it will be an Auani, a monitor lizard, maybe an Awon, a python, or maybe nothing, and it's more starch pitas for dinner. He passes by the forbidden area of the jungle. His skin tingles. The voices whisper to him, Nuena, morobogono, gimokui eronitini. I command you, do not eat from this place. Ah, he thought he had circled wide enough not to be bothered by the spirits. To cross the spirits means sickness or death. He'd seen it happen. So many people killed by the spirits because they spoke too loudly in a spirit's territory or touch the forbidden water of a whirlpool in the river nearby. Hopefully in this case, the spirit was not angered and the protective bracelets back home would keep his family safe. His father had welcomed the spirits, learned from them, learned the other sources of their sicknesses and their deaths, the swangi, a dark magic user, or a Revenge killing was required. Always death was required and it never ended. 
Not long ago, he heard music for the first time. Such a captivating sound. Why had his people never made music? There was no time. Sickness, unending wars and vendettas, appeasing the spirits, or rest. Enough about that. Right now, he's got to focus on the hunt, just trying to survive another day. You see, what you believe affects how you live. Your set of beliefs, your worldview, what is this world about and how do I fit in it, develops as we grow up through stories about family members, ancestors, our country, our people. The values and truths in those stories shape our view of the world, what is true, what is valuable, what is just, and what is good. For remote cultures like Bayono, separated from communication with God for thousands of years, since their ancestors scattered at the Tower of Babel, they've been told false and deceptive stories, leading to destructive relationships, heartache, pain, even damnation. But for those who've been privileged to know God's story, the true story, their view of the world is revolutionized. It now fits with reality, and it heals relationships with each other and with God. We'll get back to Trai later, but first I want to look back at how God's story was revolutionizing people's worldview in first century Israel. The year was AD 29 and a huge story was unfolding. A Jewish traveling teacher and his small band of followers were doing and saying things that were blowing people's minds. Jesus of Nazareth, he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed he could forgive our guilt. He claimed that he could take away our shame. He showed God's boundless love for us. The problem was he was killed. But the fascinating thing is he beat death and he came back to life again. This morning we read in Luke 24 about Jesus's, one of Jesus' appearances after he resurrected, after he came back to life again, when he appeared to his disciples. And I want to turn with you now to the sequel to that book from Luke's gospel, and that is the, the book of Acts. So if you would turn with me to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, we're going to take a look at what happened next. And I think I can move this, right? Because I'm on, a, on my own mic. All right. We're going to look at Acts chapter 1, Acts of the Apostles, Luke's uh, sequel to his gospel account. Jesus had just come back to life again, as he had promised. In Acts 1, we're going to look at verse 3. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through, I'm going to do broad brushstrokes through Acts 1 through Acts 8, and then we're going to focus on a verse in Acts 8 and go a little deeper on that one. In Acts 1, verses 3 through 5, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Skip down to verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. They were to be his witnesses to tell the story of who he is. And we see that happen immediately in Acts chapter 2, 
with the coming of the indwelling Holy Spirit, and then Peter preaches, he speaks boldly, and then in addressing the crowd, and in verse 36, what is, so we're looking at verse uh, Acts 2, 36, what is the main point of his preaching? Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. 3,000 people were saved. And then in Acts chapter three and four, we have Peter and John in the temple. They heal someone who is crippled. Peter preaches, they're jailed, but in the midst of this, 2,000 more people are saved. And then in Acts four, verses five through 30, Peter preaches to the Sanhedrin and is released. They're continuing to tell the story. In Acts chapter four, verses 29 through 31, I'm gonna read that one. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. This is the prayer of God's people. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered, or which they were gathered together, was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see, they're telling the story. Acts 4.33 talks about the apostles continuing to give testimony. If, you switch, if we skip to Acts 5.25, they continue to teach. Actually, we'll read that one. Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then in Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. You remember in Acts 6 where there were several men chosen to help with uh, passing out food, and then some of those men, Stephen, one of them, had an opportunity to preach uh, to many people. He shared verses from memory from the Old Testament. He shared with the Sanhedrin the truth of God's word, and as a result, they were enraged and killed him. At the end of Acts 7 is when that happens. And then in Acts 8, 1 through 4 is where I want to spend more time here. Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So I want to camp on Acts 8-4 here. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And I want to ask you and I want to think about together, what image do you get in your mind when you read preaching the word? Because the image that I get is that a professional preacher in a suit standing behind a pulpit in a church with a Bible in hand. But you see, when we translate the Bible from Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, in this case, the Greek of the New Testament, we have to consider not only whether the words we use are technical equivalents to the original, but also whether the attached connotations or implied meanings that the target audience will assume is accurate or not. So is this talking about someone in a suit or business casual standing behind a pulpit in a church with a Bible in hand? Well, they weren't preachers. They didn't have suits. There were no churches and they didn't have Bibles. 
So let's talk about that a little more. These people, first of all, were not professionals. Look back at uh, Acts 8, verse 1. It says that a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. You see, the apostles were still in Jerusalem, but most of the believers in Jerusalem scattered. And so when it says in, in verse 4 that those who scattered went about preaching the word, it's not talking about the apostles. The apostles are still in Jerusalem. It's not the professional preachers that were doing this. Sharing God's message didn't require being a professional preacher. How about suits? They weren't wearing dress clothes, I guarantee you. Most probably had only one or two, few, uh, or two sets of clothing even before becoming refugees. Now they're wearing their everyday clothes or their work clothes and they're on the run. There was no dress code requirement for sharing God's message. How about churches? Were they preaching in churches? Well, Christianity had, ch had just begun. There were no churches. So where did they share God's message? Well, turn back to Acts 5, 42 to get a little bit of a glimpse before the scattering of where they were doing this teaching. Acts 5, 42, when they were in Jerusalem, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That was apostles, right? So those who scattered to Judea and Samaria, they're now away from the temple. So if you're in other towns and other cities, you didn't have the temple, what, but what did you have? In some places, you had synagogues. And so, yes, in some cases, uh, they may have the opportunity to speak at a synagogue. But this message was very controversial, and a lot of times they would not be allowed to share it in the synagogue. Also from Acts 5.42, we see that they had the example of they were sharing from house to house. They were sharing with their neighbors wherever people were gathered. So the point I'm making is that sharing God's message wasn't confined to church buildings. What about Bibles when it says they were sharing the word? Well, book format Bibles like this hadn't even been invented yet. They were still using scrolls. And even then, the New Testament hadn't been written. The Old Testament scrolls were closely guarded by a select few religious leaders. Some of these Christians, these new Christians, may have had small scraps of hand-copied Old Testament verses. Did they have time to grab them before they had to scatter? Day, meaning in English, back into our Greek word. The Greek word euangelizo in the first century meant to proclaim good news. If you want an example of that in scripture where it's used in a non-gospel context, that would be 1 Thessalonians 3, 6, talking about bringing good news about a loved one far away and news of how they're doing. So the, the word just meant to bring good news. In English, the word preached is usually only used in one context, church. But you see in Acts 8, 4, there was no church. And that's why I'm proposing I'm proposing that proclaim the good news would be a better translation to kind of shed some of, the, some of our present-day cultural baggage with the word preached. Proclaim the good news would be a good rendering of the Greek word in that time. And then let's talk about the word. They, they proclaim the word. This is the word logos, uh, which would be the traditional pronunciation. The modern Greek pronunciation would be logos. Um, but this word logos, you're probably familiar with. Uh, in the Gospel of John, John uses this to refer to Jesus himself. Uh, but Luke here is using it uh, to refer to the message about Jesus. So I want to talk about that a little bit. If we go back, so it talks about 
They proclaimed the word. They proclaimed the lagos. What is it that they were proclaiming? I want to make a case here for what lagos means in this context. And first I want to go back to Acts 5.42. So flip back to that one more time to see what was the content of what they were proclaiming. And in fact, Acts uh, 5.42 also uses the word euangelizo, uh, so I'd say proclaim the good news. They did not cease teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus as the Christ, of Jesus as the Messiah. What was the content of their proclaiming? The content of their proclaiming is that Jesus is the Messiah. What is the lagos that they're proclaiming? It is the message that Jesus is the Messiah. I also want to look at Acts 2:41 with you if we go back a little farther. And Acts in Acts 2:41 so those who received his word, Lagos, were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls. Well, what was his word? This is talking about Peter. And his word was what we read earlier, verse 36 that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Again, it's Jesus as the Messiah. That is the Lagos that is being proclaimed. In Acts 4, 2, if you go to Acts 4, 2, and it talks about they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Acts 4 says, but many of those who had heard the word or heard that message of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead believed and the number of them came to 5,000. So again, I'm making a case for the fact that Lagos here or word is talking about the message that Jesus is the Messiah. And then in Acts 8, 12, a little further on from our passage, it says, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God, Galizo, as he proclaimed the good news what was, what was he proclaiming? What was this good news? The kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Skip down to verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the logos of God, that is what Philip had been preaching about the Christ and the kingdom, that is the logos that's being preached. So the word or the message that they were sharing was that the kingdom is here and Jesus is the Messiah. So those who were scattered went around proclaiming the good news of the message that God's kingdom has come and Jesus is the Messiah. Do you see the difference? The translation uses words which are both technical equivalents to the Greek but give a more accurate impression of what was happening in this dramatic scene of Christians who are normal, everyday people running for their lives, scattering to unfamiliar places, and what is noteworthy about them, even in their distress, what is the one characteristic that Luke points out about these Christians who are on the run? That they were sharing the good news of the message that God's special kingdom reign has come and that Jesus is the Messiah and the true stories that proved it. Just normal, everyday people telling Jesus' story wherever they go. Maybe it sounded something like this. Bro, have you heard what happened in Jerusalem a couple months ago? Man, I don't know, I've just been hearing these crazy stories about this teacher from Nazareth. Dude, listen to me, I saw it, I was there. This man could speak a word and a person with deformed legs for 40 years was transformed into strong, healthy legs right in front of everybody. Demon-possessed people, not just someone with epilepsy or schizophrenia, someone with superhuman strength, speaking in other voices, terrifying, demonic stuff. 
This teacher commanded the demons to leave. No rituals, no incense, and the demons were gone. People with leprosy, sores all over their bodies, he touched them. He touched a What? And the person's skin transformed immediately, totally healed, not a blemish left behind. Are you sure? He could command the weather, and it would change, just as he said. Blind people, blind from birth, he touched them and they could see. I've never heard of such a thing. He could walk on the top of the water across the Sea of Galilee. He could make food and drink appear just by praying to God. Listen to me, he raised people from the dead. What does this mean? It means the Messiah has come. Okay, well, let's join his army. You can't because they killed him. What? Remember the prophet Isaiah, the confusing part about the suffering servant being punished for our sins? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. It happened. It was talking about the Messiah. The Jewish leaders turned him over to Rome, and the Romans crucified him. He said he was God in human form, and he was getting punished in our place for all our guilt to be wiped away. He said he was God, that's blasphemy. And then he proved it. He said he had the power to defeat death and to come back from the dead. And three days after they killed him, he came back to life again. Back to life again? I saw him. He still had the holes in his hands and his feet and his side where the Romans had crucified him. You could touch him. He was walking around and teaching and encouraging his followers for 40 days. And then he just floated up into heaven. Well, now what? He's still with us. His spirit enters into anyone who believes in him. I believe what you said. No, don't be so quick. He said true belief means he's in charge of your life from now on. That's the kind of belief. You've got to be all in. All right, I'm all in. You see, it was just normal, everyday people telling Jesus' story wherever they go. So how about you? You've heard the true stories. You're one of the privileged ones. Who in your life needs to hear the message of the good news of Jesus the Messiah? Who in your life needs their worldview revolutionized? Who in your life needs to hear the true story of a world that has purpose, of humanity that has value, of God who offers his love freely to those who will believe in a way that's all in. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to have all the answers. You just gotta tell the story and let God's spirit do the heart changing. Maybe you're at the pool in the neighborhood with your friends and with your kids this summer, just hanging out, and you're just small talk. Just tell one of the stories. Hey, you ever heard the story about Jesus healing a leper? Hey, you ever heard the story about Jesus walking on water? Let me tell you about it. Have you ever heard about, you know, people make a big deal about Jesus. Did you know that he actually, he actually raised people from the dead, people who were like really dead, came back to life again? Have you ever heard that story? You can share that. Maybe you're at soccer camp with your friends and you're on water break and, uh, and you just say, hey, have you ever heard, has anyone ever told you a story about Jesus, like a true story about Jesus? Let me tell you a story about him. Let me tell you about someone who was blind from the day they were born and all he had to do was touch them and they, and they could see. It's true, it really happened. 
Maybe you're uh, at dance class, and while your little girl's uh, practicing her ballet and you're sitting around with the other moms, what do you talk about? You can tell one of the stories about Jesus. You don't have to have your Bible in hand necessarily. You know the stories. You can tell the stories. Maybe you're meeting together in your professional association with other uh, colleagues. You're going out to lunch together. Can you break the ice and say, hey, can I tell you a true story that happened in history about this guy named Jesus of Nazareth? Those who are recent graduates from high school or college, you're going to be moving on to a next step and a lot of new people and a lot of new faces. Be courageous and tell the stories. You'll have time and opportunity with your neighbors where you can just tell the story. Maybe it's your mechanic while you're waiting in the waiting room. Maybe it's in the doctor's office in the waiting room. I know that's awkward. I know that in our culture that is not culturally acceptable. That's right. But just tell a story. Just tell one of the stories. Maybe you don't have your Bible with you at the time, but be like the Christians in Acts 8 who just told the story. And like the Christians in Acts 8, as soon as possible, we get them into the scriptures directly so they can read and hear from God directly. That's so important for them to grow in their relationship with God. Thankfully, most of the people around you speak your same language, have access to scripture in their own heart language, and so you've got it way easier than we do in Papua when it comes to telling the story. Well, where was all this happening? Uh, if you look at verse 1 again, Acts 8.1, it says that they were sat kind of uh, nods back to Acts 1.8, which we read earlier. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Then they scattered to Judea and Samaria and they continued even further to the ends of the earth. And so in Acts, we see that up until Acts 8.3, uh, 8, we have them in Jerusalem. Then from Acts 8.4 on, they're in Judea and Samaria. And then Acts 8.26 into the end of the book of Acts talks about them going to the ends of the earth. Like Jesus said in Acts 1.8, that storytelling goes on till today, still reaching the very remotest parts of the earth. If you want to know where the ends of the earth are, I've been there. It's called Papua, Indonesia. Very remote, very far, and very far from the gospel in many of these tribes. You all have been involved with us since 2007 in bringing this story of Jesus as the Messiah and the kingdom that has come. Uh, since 2007, you've been a part of that in Papua. So I just want to share a brief bit about that, and then after the service, there'll be an opportunity to go a little bit deeper, and if you want to ask some questions, then you can. Um, so this uh, first slide right here shows you where uh, or the, that first one with the star on it showed you where Papua was in the world, their own heart language. So in our case, the trade language in Indonesia, their own heart language. So in our case, the trade language in Indonesia is Bahasa Indonesia, or the Indonesian language. Most of these people in very remote villages do not speak Indonesian and do not have access to the gospel through that language. They only speak their tribal language, which is not related to Indonesian at all and is unintelligible. But there are usually a few, a handful of people who have become, because when you just try to translate on the fly, you could make a lot of mistakes. Ono and others that are uh, out, Ono and others that are heard from the story about Trai 
Survival is really the main thing that they're interested in. We don't have a word for profit. We don't have a word for scriptures. This, these are challenges, so we have to use workarounds, phrases, sometimes a borrowed from Indonesian. Um, and so uh, it's tough, it's challenging. And so we go through these rev- this revision process several times until we've worked out a really accurate Bible story translation in Bayono and these five other languages. And then we're able to share that with those in the village. And so this next, um, this next picture kind of shows, this would be a story testing session at one of kind of the makeshift churches out in the Bayono area um, where we're sharing a story and people are learning using memory, uh, memory aids like objects on the ground to like walk through the story orally and then talk through what does it mean and what are some of the key terms and words that we're using and are they understandable? And then this next one, uh, I think this next picture also shows um, some of that, and then you can go on to the next. And so the, oh, actually you can go back one. So the, what we have is people hearing the stories, and then we sit down and have kind of what you'd call a discovery Bible study or discovery Bible fellowship, where the group sits down together, they hear the, the memorized story that's been translated and, and edited and revised so that it's accurate. We share that story and then ask, you know, what, do we, what can we learn about God from this story? What can we learn about humanity from this story? What can we uh, apply to our lives from this story? And in a very beginner way, in a very rudimentary way, the people in Bayono are starting to understand who God is from his stories. So people uh, like Tetepke, I think is the first one in our uh, photos here. Uh, Tetepke is one of the village leaders. He's, a, he's an old guy, but super receptive and really has uh, become a believer in Christ and has been encouraging others to believe as well. You can go to the next one. Uh, Bastian, Bastian also became a believer several years ago. Uh, some of you who are part of our prayer team know that we've been praying for Bastian for quite some time because he has ongoing medical issues uh, that have made him unable to really be involved in the translation process, but he is a great language learner. He is a great language helper and, uh, and just loves the Lord and really wants others in the tribe to know the Lord. But he struggles, despite his, uh, his smile right here, he is in pain and even in that photo uh, because of that chronic health issue. Please keep praying for Bastian. People like Banadu. Now, um, Banadu, the story about Banadu is, is amazing. Uh, back in about 2006, about a year before my family arrived in the Bayono, uh, in the Bayono tribe, Benny Silak and his family had arrived there. Uh, it was very dangerous to enter the Bayono territory when he first came. The Bayono people had been taught by their witch doctors and by the spirits that if you accept people from the outside world, if you accept any teachings from the outside world, any objects from the outside world, then the spirits are going to kill you. They're going to cause the sky to come down and crush you. They didn't have any understanding, understanding about that that you know, isn't going to happen. Um, and so they lived in fear. And so they were violently opposed to other people coming and living among them. Not because they just had a, you know, a, a hatred for people in general, but because they feared for their lives and their families' lives, which is often the case in these tribes that are very violent. It's not just because they're just bloodthirsty and they want to kill people. They are trying to protect themselves based on the lies that they've been taught. Well, Benny and his family, in the years of about 2004 through 2007, uh, re- they were the first ones to really, the first outsiders to live among the Bayono people. One of the things that happened when they were there 
And uh, this is the testimony of, of Benny, and I know that it's true because he's, he doesn't tend to be outlandish in his stories. And he doesn't come from a charismatic background or someone who's gonna, you'll see what I mean. So anyway, Banadu uh, became sick. Banadu, her, her, uh, her belly was distended. She had some kind of infection or something was going on and she got worse and worse to where she eventually was bedridden. And she couldn't get off of her straw mat or her drink any longer. And finally, that last breath that you see when you, if you've ever been there when a person dies. And Banadu died. But Benny and his family continued to sit there and pray for Banadu. They prayed and prayed and prayed for hours and they sang hymns and sang songs of praise to Christ over her. And after several hours of this happening, Banadu's eyes opened and she took a breath. And her stomach was no longer distended and it, a, this guttural demonic moan came out, came out of her mouth and this, and this dark shade passed out of her body, struck Benny and his wife, and left the, the hut. And, and Banadu sat up, alive. In the Bayono village, Benny and his family, the Lord worked through them, and someone came back to life, which is huge. And all the people witnessed this. And so Banadu, this picture right here, uh, is just from a few years back. She's still alive today. Her husband and, uh, and her Brother-in-law, Trai, the guy that we uh, talked about a little bit at the beginning, are some of the bad boys of Bayono. These are the guys that are, they're kind of the tough guys. And they haven't come to know the Lord yet, even though this miracle happened among them. But pray for them, because they're, they're opening, their eyes are beginning to see like that happens in one of these remote places, and it happened in Bayono. And so that's Banadu. Then there's Kores, people like Kores, a new believer who was baptized just a couple years ago. Then there's Mae. Maya is uh, on our Bible translation team and was also baptized a couple of years ago. Then there's Yoni and Sakyus. These guys have been helping with revising some of the stories. They help with compre answering comprehension questions. They help with um, helping us to see if words are awkward when they're spoken in the language. Uh, these guys do, but these guys don't know the Lord yet. And so pray for Yoni and Sakyus, but they're involved. They're learning about God's stories and they're being affected. And then we get back to Trai. People like Trai, who you heard about earlier, are hearing the stories in their own heart language. Trai cannot understand Indonesian, and many of these others uh, that were before him cannot understand Indonesian. They can't, certainly can't understand English. And, uh, but they're hearing the stories about Jesus the Messiah and the kingdom that has come in their own language. That fear of spirits, well, the story about Jesus and how he casts out the spirits brings hope to a guy like Trai and his family. They no longer have to trust in the bracelets, the amulets, the incantations, the witch doctors, because they can trust in Jesus, the one who's the creator, the creator of all the spirits, the good spirits and those who've turned away that will, be, uh, that will go to eternal damnation by the order of that same Jesus. People like Trai whose worldviews are being reshaped, whose lives are being changed, who are finding forgiveness in Jesus, Freedom from fear and bondage to demons and the occult because Jesus is more powerful than the demons. Who are experiencing joy and peace and healed relationships. And God is glorified even to the ends of the earth. So we just, uh, as we look back at Acts 8-4 again, just want to thank you for being a part of proclaiming the good news here and in Papua. Just normal everyday people telling Jesus' story 
wherever they go. And just a last point that I want to make, I just want to thank some of you who are on our prayer team, and you may have heard about Doani. Um, Doani is our ministry, ministry partner, Benny's son, and uh, he was bitten by a smooth-scale death adder, which is, I have a picture up there of it, and um, when they were in the village, he was, um, he was uh, suffering from organ failure, he was uh, kind of delirious, couldn't eat and drink. Um, he was on the verge of death, but through some mission aviation programs in Papua, a helicopter was able to come and pick him up and take him about 20 minutes to a nearby town. And then another mission aviation uh, fixed wing aircraft picked him up in that town, flew an hour to the town that we live in, where he was able to be admitted to the hospital. There is no anti-venom in Papua. It's too hard, it's too expensive, it's too hard to keep refrigerated. Uh, and despite that fact, and the fact that he was actually envenomated based on uh, the blood tests and his symptoms, uh, through prayer and through a lot of IV fluids and several transfusions, Doani fully recovered. And so it's just a huge answer to prayer, and we just want to say a big thank you to those of you who, who receive our text message updates. Um, if you do not currently get our text message updates, talk to us afterwards. Um, in fact, I think I have that on uh, maybe the next slide, that if you, uh, no, okay, maybe it was, maybe it was on the, the, it was on this one. Yeah, so you can text that word, Papua, you can get our, on our text message updates. That's for the most urgent uh, prayer requests and things like Doani, bit by a snake, uh, that we send out, and, and those of you who are on that get to pray with us, and then we share about how God answered that prayer. If you want to hear more about what God is doing with sharing his stories to the ends of the earth, stay afterwards, and we'll share a little more about the ministry and have Q&A so you can ask whatever questions you want to ask about what's going on over there. And um, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Lord God, we just thank you so much for your word that you have, you've given us the privilege of being able to hear your word in our heart language. And we can just pick it up and read it anytime. And we're just so thankful. We know people gave their lives for that. And um, Lord, we're just challenged by how you empowered the, the believers in the first century, even though they didn't even have Bibles in hand and they were on the run, that they were just taking your good news of the kingdom and you as the Messiah and just taking wherever they went, wherever they scattered to. And we know those same stories, Lord, but we are often cowardly and we are often feel awkward about sharing them and, and we're wondering how is a person gonna react? Maybe they're not gonna react well. God, would you just give us boldness and sensitivity and would you fill us with your spirit that we would share the good news, just normal everyday people sharing the good news of the Messiah wherever we go. Lord, would you empower us for that? We thank you for your word. Would you enable us to not only share those stories, but that people would come to know you, people in our neighborhoods and around us at work and at school, and then we could get them into your word just they can, so they can hear from you directly from your word in their heart language. Lord, we pray for the Bayono people. Pray for Bastian and his healing. We thank you for Doani's healing. We thank you for Bonadu and your mercy on her. And we ask for, God, that you would uh, give us discernment as we translate your word into Bayono, that we would not err. Lord, that we would choose the right words and the right phrases to get this across. And Lord, would you work in the hearts of the Bayono people and these other, the other tribes that we're working in that they would be revolutionized in their worldview and turn to you, and it's all for your glory. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.